0: Welcome to Write Now with Scrivener, where writers talk about how they work, how they develop their ideas, and how they use Scrivener, the app built for long-form writing projects. I'm your host, Kirk McElhern, author of Take Control of Scrivener. As I was prepping this episode, I realized that if I wanted to talk about everything that our guest has done, it would take the entire episode. Today, I'm very happy to welcome J.T. Ellison. Where do I start? Thriller writer, publisher, TV show host, worked in the White House and then in finance.
1: Um, where do I start? Oh, let's start with, you know, I turned a book in last week. That's all that really matters. <laughs> did you have a book party? I did. I was alone and I I thankfully had a Zoom with some friends that night. And so I opened a bottle of champagne and, and my husband was off at, a, at an event. And so I, I had a little party in my office on a Zoom with some friends. It was very fun, actually. So
0: you've written, when I look at your website and the the number of books you've written and the number of different types of books, you seem to be just brimming with ideas going in all sorts of directions. Is it that one isn't enough that you have so many ideas that you need to have all these different series? So you've got standalone thrillers. The most recent is Her Dark Lies. You've got the Lieutenant Taylor Jackson series, the Dr. Samantha Owens series, the Britain the FBI series, co-written with Catherine Coulter, and your newest book, which is?
1: Actually, the one that came out last week is called Tomb of the Queen. It's an urban fantasy co-written with Alicia Peak under the pen name Joss Walker.
0: So how have you had time to write so many books? Because, I mean, not quite as many as Stephen <laughs> King, but you're getting up there.
1: Well, I, it's my job. I mean, this is what I was meant to do. I came back to it. I thought I was going to be a writer, and I was discouraged from that path, and so ended up, you know, going down the political route and met my husband, and you know, just a weird roundabout story. And I ended up back writing in about 2003 and realized, oh, this is really what I am supposed to be doing. Um, And he said, you know, go for it. So I've been doing it full time from the very, very beginning. Um, We don't have any other kinds of distractions. We don't have kids. The cats take up a lot of time, but you know, (laughs) you can actually leave them alone in a corner and they're fine. I, I just... I, I love what I do. I love the, I love the work. I love the creation. I love the ideas. I have more ideas than I will ever be able to write. Um, so it's, it's a nice problem to have, but, and I write relatively quickly. I mean, and, and, and I do the work. I mean, that's, I think a lot of, of writing has a mystique around it that you need to lock yourself in an attic and and sweat and, bleed and and have this horrible effort to go into creating and, all, and you know I'm not trying to win a Pulitzer I'm trying to write something that's going to entertain a reader that's going to move them in some way it, it's going to make them forget something that's bad in their life or get them through a, a bad day or, or take them to the beach and have them have a nice afternoon escape you know that's that's what I'm trying to do if you know there's an underlying philosophy and mythology to the work great nobody needs to know that but me <laughs> right so it's it's fun I love what I do and it's just a blast but it's also a job how many hours a day do you write
0: to be able to write so many books. You said you write quickly. And and I know that there are some people who do write quickly, can turn out 2,000 words a day every day, and others that struggle and revise and rewrite and edit.
1: So my goal is 1,000 words a day, five days a week. That is not what it always looks like. The problem is you can write 1,000 words in eight hours. You can write 1,000 words in 40 minutes. It just depends on the day. Um, So I would say I probably have four good highly creative hours in a day. And that's usually in the afternoon. I'm not a morning person. I'm not, ai wish I was one of those larks that got up and the very first thing I did was write my 2000 words. And then I have my day stretching ahead of me. And I know so many people like that and they're all incredibly successful. Um, I, I really pivot, you know, I'll try to start writing at 10. If I can, if I have a thousand words by lunch, it's going to be a good day. <laughs> um, if I, if I don't, you know, I'll ease into it after lunch, hit my stride around four. And then I try to break at five to work out and start getting ready for dinner. And, you know, so my, my, I keep shop hours for sure. Um, but my, you know, highly creative time is in the, the afternoon.
0: It's interesting because so many writers say that the morning is the best time for them. Not necessarily that they get up early, but that they're fresher in the morning and they get more ideas and they get more done. You're kind of the opposite there, that you take a little while to get your stride then.
1: Yeah, for sure. I, you know, I, I am incessantly curious about what's happening in the world. So I need to read the paper and that means surfing online for, to, to assimilate all the various things that you want to read. And, you know, I got to check in with my assistant and my team and make sure everything's okay there and see if there's anything that we forgot that I need to deal with immediately, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, and and then I like to shut everything off. I have freedom on the computer and it starts at 10, goes to 12, 10 to 12. And then it turns on again at one um, and goes for the rest of the afternoon. So that it gives me a couple of good chunks.
0: Freedom is an app that blocks your access to social media so you can't go doom scrolling on Twitter.
1: Exactly, which is so easy to do, right?
0: What if you need to look something up and you just need to check something on Twitter or Instagram because it's a plot point?
1: Well, I know you you, can turn it off. I know you can turn it off. I've got a phone. I've got an iPad there. I've got another computer, you know, if I had to get online, I can't, but it's, it's almost, it's, it's just like that, that rubber band when you're trying to quit smoking and you have a rubber band you snap it to, you know, not smoke. And that's, you know, it's just a a behavioral reminder.
0: It's a good discipline.
1: It is a good discipline. And, And that's the thing about being a writer. If you want to have a career at this, right? You know, everybody's got one book in them. Do you have two? Do you have 10? Do you have 20? That's a matter of a, decision that you're going to sit down, do the work, you're going to roll with the punches, because, you know, every career looks like an echocardiogram. You know, nobody is a good straight line up, everybody's up and down and up and down. And and you have to wrap your head around the fact that some people are going to hate what you do. And if you can deal with that, then you can probably have a career at it. But it's, you know, it's, <laughs> you do have to have a little bit of discipline.
0: Has COVID changed any of this for you?
1: No, it actually, I I, I almost hate to admit that it helped my creative. I, I wrote two, edited one, wrote a short story. Um, yeah, it, it was pretty good. But I'm an introvert. So it was we like to stay at home. We moved. And that was really, really difficult, you know, moving in a, in a pandemic. is no fun. But we, you know, we both work from home. We, we like each other. We get along. So that wasn't a problem. Um, again, I didn't have the homeschool. I mean, such mad props to the, the writers and the business folks who had to just change their entire lives and makeup to, to deal with suddenly everybody's at home in the house. I mean, for us, that was just a Tuesday, right? So... And I didn't have to travel. I mean, and I love to travel. Don't get me wrong. I love to travel. I love going on a book tour. I love meeting readers and going to bookstores and going to libraries. But I also, like I said, am an introvert. So switching from the in-person to Zoom was really seamless for me. Um, We started taping the show through Zoom. And we were able to access authors who we would never have been able to have on the show because they wouldn't have come through Nashville. So it it was for us not as big as a shift as it was for many people.
0: So the show you mentioned is a word on words, which is a literary TV show on Nashville public television. And I wish there were more TV shows about books and authors. I lived a very long time in France, and for for decades there was a a Friday evening primetime book show that was really a a national treasure— And for a few years, when I worked in a bookstore, every Saturday morning, you'd get people coming in looking for the books on the show. They sold so many books because they were on in prime mm-hmm. time. So you managed to do this over Zoom, which I guess everyone's doing. You watch the news today and half the people they interview are on Zoom as well.
1: <laughs> right. Right. I mean, we we normally shoot on location that the, the show is actually a, a Nashville treasure. It was. 40 years of John Siegenthaler doing it on Sunday mornings. And it was a half an hour in studio show. And he just, he had everybody, a veritable who's who of the literary world. And when he passed away, the station didn't want the show to go away. And they asked me and Mary Laura Philpot to take over the show Um, and reimagined it for a more modern world and made it an interstitial. That's what shows up. So an interstitial is for those who don't know um, it's the show between the shows. It's like a three minute, it's not a commercial, but it it has a beginning, middle and end. You know, it's, it's a small show. So we interview in person on location, thematically linked to the book. So like when Margaret Atwood came for uh, the heart goes last, we shot in one of the local jails. <laughs> I, I was in jail with Margaret Atwood. That's just not something a lot of people get to say, right? So we did so th- this was our sixth season and we we went ahead and, and did most of it through Zoom because we couldn't do anything else. And it worked out so well that I think we're gonna continue it in a, a variety of, you know, in-person, Zoom, et cetera, just to try to, to keep it up. But it is just, I love that you say a national treasure because Nash, national or Nashville, talking about books with people who love books is really one of the best pastimes in the world and readers love it.
0: I wanted to ask you about your name. So your name is J.T. Ellison. And I've noticed that there are a number of female authors who use their initials like J.K. Rowling and P.D. James why is this to hide your real name? I know that in the past, this might've been when PD James was writing mysteries. I think the publisher didn't think that a woman's name would sell. I don't think that's the case anymore. Is it?
1: I don't, you know, it's one of those things. Yes. There's a privacy element, which is great, but I mean, it's my name. That's what I've been called. So it's not really a privacy element for me. It, when I started, I was writing really dark psychological thrillers. And the trend was to have the initials so that the male readers, and I'm putting little quotes around male readers, wouldn't be turned off by the idea of reading a book by a woman. Um, Which I think is kind of silly, but it is what it is. I mean, there are some readers, there's some female readers who won't read a book written by a man. I mean, you know, so it kind of obscures that and takes that off the table, right? You don't want any barriers to entry when you have somebody who you want them to read your book and you don't want them to pass it up because they have some preconceived notion that a woman can't write a book or a man can't write a woman or, you know, whatever. So that was really the trend back there either, you know, Alex, or Sam, those were you know really nice gender neutral names and then and then the initials now there's a lot of men who use initials so that female readers will think it's a woman writing and you know, it's really it's really gotten itself in quite the loop yeah there there are
0: these these sort of these sorts of trends hit publishing every now and then. Remember a few years ago all these book titles with the girl who there were dozens of them
1: yep. Yep, I fell into that. <laughs> oh, you did one too. <laughs> no, no, my uh, my publisher wanted the artwork for um, "So Close to the Hand of Death," which is a very long title. They wanted the artwork to have that girl with dragon tattooists. You know, uh, the, it was a big shift uh, in, in how covers were perceived as well because cover art changed at that. Point. It was a really big pivot away from the visuals and to let the title be the typography, be the most important part of the book cover, which was very interesting. So,
0: Yeah, I'm in the UK and it's even more prominent that the big sans serif fonts with the author's name and with the title take up most of the cover. I'm not looking on Amazon UK to check this, but your latest novel, Her Dark Lies, it may have a title like Her Dark Lies. The unputdownable Thrower for the summer, and they put this in the actual title on Amazon, so when you get it on a Kindle, that's the title with the blurb in it. And that kind of feels like they're putting ads into the titles of the book, because authors aren't involved in that in that choice.
1: Well, the metadata is king, right? King, queen, and and everything. It, it just absolutely runs the, the show. Um, I think Book tour was the first one to really start putting those kinds of tags in the book title itself. And it caught on. And now they do it a lot. And, and it's actually... I, I think it's distracting. I, I don't want to be marketed to in the title of the book. I want uh, – titles are so important. They're they're more – almost more important than the art. And the art can ruin a good title, and the title can ruin good art. <laughs> but it's – and that's, that's that case. If I'm looking at – if I'm being told, oh, this is the most twisty thriller that you're ever going to read – when I look at the title of the book, it's like, oh, come on, no, <laughs> you know, it's it is a weird trend. But you're right, things things come and go. Hopefully, that one's going.
0: Do you choose your <laughs> titles before you start writing, or as you're writing a the novel?
1: I'm I'm a title person. I like to have a title. It gives me a thematic link to the story and what I want to do. And I would say, of my titles, probably seventy five percent are the ones that I. I created, might not be the first title, the working title, um, but it is one that I've suggested. And for my most successful books, it's the ones that they've suggested. (laughs) So I don't fight when they want to do a title change anymore.
0: (laughs) Interestingly, most of the titles of your novels have three words. Is this intentional?
1: Um, I think it's just pattern recognition for me. I, what sounds good. You know, what lies behind when shadows fall? Lie to me. Yeah, it's, it, it just is kind of, it's not a, it's not something I set out to do. It's just the way things kind of worked. I think it's very, three words are, they're easy to remember. They, they don't take up too much space, you know so close to the hand of death that that was a bit a big one, right that's all over the place. even all the pretty girls, that was my first book, all the pretty four words. you know once you start getting over three words, then then it starts becoming a problem.
0: Okay, we're going to take a break and when we come back, we're going to talk about how you use Scribner. Great. Writing a book, screenplay, or even a long article is a juggling act. You need to find the right words and the right structure, keep track of research, and refer to notes. Tailor-made for long writing projects, Scrivener is the go-to app for writers of all types. Scrivener combines a typewriter, binder, and corkboard in a single app. A project outline makes it easy to get an overview of your work and flip between sections. Refer to research alongside your writing, and just drag and drop to rearrange your work. Write in any order in sections as large or small as you like and let Scrivener stitch it all together when you're ready to share your words with the world. With Scrivener, you'll find everything you need to start writing and keep writing. Scrivener is available for Mac, Windows, iPad, and iPhone. Download the free trial from ScrivenerApp.com. Right now with Scrivener listeners can get a 20% discount with the coupon code PODCAST. That's ScrivenerApp.com. When I first contacted you to ask you if you would be on the podcast, you replied, I love Scrivener with the passion of a thousand fiery suns. <laughs> is it possible to love an app that much?
1: Yes, it is.
0: How did you discover Scrivener?
1: Um, my friend Jeff Abbott, who is another thriller author, absolutely fantastic writer, he and I had a long standing conversation about starting with, all the way back with Merlin Mann. And ways to be more productive, ways to keep uh, on top of things. We like the psychology behind it. We, we had an ongoing conversation and he suggested I try Scrivener. I had just switched from PC to Mac and I was already having, you know, that that's a big shift, right? Suddenly, literally everything is, is mirrored. Everything is opposite. So I was having a little trouble with that. I was writing in Word and Uh, that seemed insurmountable to me. So I tried it. I put a book in there. I brought it over. I tried to work on it. It wouldn't work. It took five books for me to realize the power that this had and to retrain my brain off of scrolling. And, and because the old words don't have an outlining function or anything. I mean, it's literally, you just have to keep track in a notebook or, you know, a a Excel spreadsheet or whatever of what chapter is what and what happens in each chapter. When you switch to Scrivener, it's like Valhalla, right? You can, you've got all of that on the left hand side. And you can your, your binder is is the most beautiful thing in the world. Your binder, your finder, you know, that all started look to line up for me. Um and to be able to drag and drop and to create things and to I love emojis. So I put emojis in for my characters and I color code and to be able to color code past and present and POV. And it's I just love it. I love it. And so now I've written, oh, goodness, probably 10 books in it. And I, yeah, I am a bit of an evangelist because I think it gives so much freedom to the creative process.
0: Okay, full disclosure, she has not been paid to say all this. <laughs> this yeah. is all improvised here. You have, not, you have not been fed any talking points, but you are, <laughs> you are highlighting a lot of the key points. Are you an outliner or are you what they call a pantser? Do you just start in the beginning and write from there?
1: Yeah, I'm a pantser. Plan- um, I, I don't like to outline I like it to be an organic process. I like to be able to, you know, oh, hey, this might happen. Oh, this this is going to happen. So I don't even write linearly. I used to, I mean, when I was working in Word, it was literally a start to finish kind of process. And I never, I I would rarely skip ahead. I mean, very, very rarely. And now it's, I mean, literally I can put down whatever I want. I use a process that I just learned um, because we're always learning, right? If you're, if you're, if you're, doing this right life in general, you are always learning new things. And I learned a new process called 40 scenes where you sit down with with your notebook, with whatever, I use my Scrivener, and write out 40 scenes. When you have, and, and it doesn't have to be a scene, it can just be a line. It can just be Olivia is walking on the beach. Olivia has a fight, you know, really simple stuff. It doesn't have to be expanded at all. When you have those 40 scenes, if you do writer math, that's 80,000 words, right? If a scene can become a 2,000 word thing, chapter, whatever you want to call it, suddenly you've got 80,000 words of your novel right there. Poof, that's several hundred pages. For me, mine are usually 100,000. So that gives me, I mean... And it's it worked on this past book so incredibly well that I'm going to adopt this going forward. So it w- it's not outlining. It's more just a mind dump of all the things that I think might happen in the book. And, you know, it doesn't have to have any kind of structure to it. Just get it out there. It, it was amazing.
0: So do you make a file on the binder for each one of these scenes and then you can move them around or use the corkboard or the outliner to look at them?
1: Yes. So there's a there's a, another software called Story Planner that it, it's really more for screenwriters. It's very, very extensive software. But I I dump them in there and then you can export it directly into your into your Scrivener. And it shows up in the binder as all of those individual scenes. And it's just, oh, it's so much fun. Um, So yeah, that's and then I'll I'll put those in their own manuscript folder outside of the manuscript itself. And then as I'm doing it, I will open that folder. Okay, here's the scene. And I drag it down into the manuscript and I flesh it out and write it and do whatever I'm going to do to it. And then, you know, and I do that for all of them. And then, you know, now I'm starting to get some scenes built and and everything. And then I can start thinking of, okay, what do you want your beginning to be? What do you want the end to be? You know, I don't usually know the end until the end. Um, (laughs) I'm not, I'm not, i really don't plan that ahead. That happens organically. Um, I've only had one book that I actually knew the ending when I was beginning. And that was really difficult because then you're writing to it and, and you give things away accidentally. You, you know, your red herrings for yourself aren't necessarily the right red herrings for the book. So, yeah, I just it it gives so much freedom that way to do that.
0: I've talked to a lot of writers about how they use technology and there were so many who are frustrated by technology. And you seem to just embrace it entirely. And that probably makes it so much easier to work with it because you're not struggling against it, but you're kind of going with the flow.
1: I, I have to admit compiling because I, I like to do that, right? I compile, that's my backup every night because um, I use Dropbox for everything, right? So I when I close my manuscript i compile it in a word document that's saved in a different folder so that i always have that kind of backup i i have about six redundancies because it scares scares me to lose (laughs) i yeah i I, uh, i i lost a 12 page synopsis once and it had plot points in it that i still never recovered so um I will never do that again. So yeah, everything is backed up in multiple places. I when I start really getting going, I start emailing things to myself. So it lives, you know, in five or six different places, but it's funny. I mentioned that I I finished a book last week when I do that last export and that last compile out of Scrivener. And then that file is finished. There's this moment of, Oh, Well, goodbye file. I've lived with you for nine months, you know, you've been there every day for me. And now going forward, I have to do everything in word because, you know, that's just how New York works. Um, All the editorial that's you just work in word now. So it's a it's a moment of great uh, bittersweet sorrow closing that file when you've finished a book.
0: You've co-authored a number of books and even series. Do your co-authors also use Scrivener? How do you work together if they don't?
1: Um, uh, so in both instances, um, what, so I work with Catherine Coulter. Catherine's the brand. She just works in Word. Um, so I do everything in Scrivener and then send it to her in, in Word. So that's why Compile is such a huge part of things for me. Um, for my new co-written series, um I don't know if she works in Scrivener or not because what she gives me is in Word and then I just import it into Scrivener. Um, that's, it it just, yeah. I can't think outside of Scrivener now. Everything is just very, it is my Excel spreadsheet. That's what my binder is. My inspector is where I've got all of my notes. Um, you know, I'll put pictures of what I think the scene looks like. If it's a house, right, I'll copy and paste the house and dump that in my inspectors. It's just, I'll put my research in, character names. They've got a lot of really neat things that you don't need. And and I think that's the cool thing about Scrivener is is you get out of it what you need to, right? You don't have to use all of the tools. It's an incredibly robust program. Um, But yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. You you were saying that I embrace technology. I, it's almost a curse because there are so many pretty shiny things that come down the pike, right? And this one just other, might be a
0: little bit better than the other one.
1: Sure, right? Is this going to is this going to, you know, knock 10 minutes off of my prep time? Is this one's going to be easier to compile, you know, something like like Ulysses. That scares the crap out of me because every single file you have is there in the program, you know, that scares me. So Scrivener is just, it's where I've landed and it's definitely the the best thing for me. I just wish the compile was a little easier.
0: <laughs> I'll pass that on. You also have mentioned on your blog that you've used Scrivener on your iPad as well.
1: Yes. That is probably the biggest upgrade that they've done and it syncs really, really well. Um, which is fantastic. I've had a couple of instances where I have conflicts where I, I haven't closed it on my iPad or I haven't closed it on my computer. And then I've got a little bit of conflict sync. Um, I found a whole chapter like that this time, a couple of weeks ago, I was like, Oh, I thought I had written that. There it is. (laughs) is." (laughs) But I love that because then I can just leave the house with my iPad and I don't, you know, so that's, that's the last thing I do every night when I'm doing my shutdown routine is make sure I close out the, the file because i use i segment my computer itself so one side of it is for business and then i've got another user on it that is my writing side so i'll literally switch over so i don't have mail and message and all of that popping up so i make sure to close that before i switch back and then i open my ipad and i sync the document there so that you know at midnight, when the, the idea hits me, I can just open it and dump it into a vial. And then it's all there for me like magic in the morning.
0: You work at home, so you don't like take a computer to go to the beach or coffee shops to work, do you?
1: Um, I do sometimes, especially now that the pandemic's over, it's been very nice to go to a coffee shop and actually see faces because, you know, you're. <laughs> I get a lot of. Um, good characters from sitting around watching people uh, have the conversations people watching, yeah. yeah and their you know their their actions you it's one thing watching tv and seeing actors do things it's another seeing just a regular person and how they you know how they sit there and put their hand on their face and in their chin and their facial expressions as they're talking and and just all of that kind of stuff the little ticks that they do, how they mess with their hair. And all of that I just <laughs> subsume and then dump onto the page into other people. So it is it is nice to pick up with the laptop or the iPad and just go. And that's I can do that now with the iPad. It's really and, and it's on my phone. It's on my phone as well.
0: So you have another activity which seems to be on pause right now, the wine vixen. I found that very interesting. Wine recommendations. That when sounds like an enjoyable activity to do.
1: Horrible, just a terrible thing to have to do. Um, in um, a group blog called Murderati many, many years ago, I wanted something to sign off with that would be fun and different and unique and value added as an author. I have, I've used so many buzzwords in this interview right now. It's just, it just crazy. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to be a value added author. And so I started doing a wine recommendation every week, and everybody loved it. I was like, all right. So Eventually, I was like, well, I might as well start a website, a blog and start doing it. Um, And it was it was cooking with fire for a while. And then just too many things, right? There's only one of me and too many things going on. And not everybody has the same passion as you have for things you can't like exactly, you know, go drink this bottle of wine and tell me what you think about it. <laughs> you know, Some people would love that to, to be my assistant, to do that. Some, some do not. Uh, so it has been lying fallow for a while, but I would love to get it back up and running, especially, you know, it's, it's so much easier. Like with Instagram, I can just post the picture of the bottle and,
0: and say, this you know, was really good.
1: Yeah. It, it does not have to be, I mean, that's, I think the whole point of, of the wine Vixen is it doesn't have to be a sommelier giving you a, an idea of what to pair perfectly with this course or anything like that. Drink what you like. And, and you know, if it's $8 and you got it at, at you know, Trader Joe's, okay, have at it. You know, whatever, whatever turns your crank, there's no right or wrong way to drink wine. And, you know, demystifying it a little bit and just making it something that's fun to do. It, that was definitely something I was shooting for.
0: Do you have any book recommendations for our listeners? What have you read recently that you really enjoyed? Oh my
1: gosh. So I just finished I've been reading a lot of galleys. So I just finished Lisa Unger's new book called Last Girl Ghosted. I rarely I don't like to use the term elevated the genre, but she did. And it is brilliant and wonderful. Um I'm reading a Lisa Jewell that just uh is coming out in September, the night she disappeared. I think that one's called that. And I just downloaded the Murakami book about jogging and life. Um, I felt I'm entering a kind of a meditative phase where I'm trying to decide what I want to do next, right? I'm going to write a short story kind of as a palate cleanser. But I really liked the idea of, you know, just looking at somebody who is an expert on meditation and life and an expert writer and what he thinks about how how life should be lived. It's called uh, What I Talk About When I Talk About Running. It's not a new book. It's it's very old. And I just downloaded one about being a ballerina. Okay. <laughs>
0: but, yeah, you can always just, change your career.
1: Uh, right. I mean, no, I, I tried. That was not going to happen. I knocked myself out on tap shoes. I slid and I went out and got a concussion. And my dad's career was over that day.
0: Well, J.T. Ellison, thank you very much for joining us. There'll be links in the show notes to your website, to your Instagram, to your Twitter, to your books, to your TV shows, and all the other wonderful things you do. Thank you.
1: Thank you. I'm happy to have been here.
0: If you like the podcast, please follow it in iTunes or your favorite podcast app. To learn more about Scrivener, go to ScrivenerApp.com. Join us next month for another conversation on Right Now with Scrivener.